0: Welcome to Vertical with Veter,
1: a podcast exploring the latest in vertical
0: storage solutions. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Vertical with Veter, a Veter podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And, folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We really appreciate you listening along to some Veter thought leadership. As you're listening to today's conversation, make sure that you're subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and make sure you're heading to our website, storevertical.com, for more information on the various technologies you may hear about today, but also for more reader content, including podcasts, articles, videos, and more. Again, storevertical.com. So on today's episode of the podcast, we're intersecting the worlds of Veeder and the broader changes brought on by COVID to the retail industry. So Veeder intersecting with retail. As companies and customers moved online and developed robust omni-channel sales and marketing strategies, Supporting that back end and the diversified retail supply chain became even more critical across the industry and many technology companies had to step up and reshape their solutions to support this new phase of inventory management and fulfillment. So with our conversation today, we're grounding those changes around Veter's product line and shifts as a company over the last year, connecting the dots between micro fulfillment, BOPUS, last mile delivery, and more with the automated smart robots that are helping fill those needs. So for Insights today, we're joined by two guests. First up, we have Mario Fontes, director of sales and marketing for Veter Solutions. Mario, great to have you on, how are you doing? Good morning, thank you. Real pleasure again to chat with you today. And for our second guest, we have Kel Guerin, co-founder and chief innovation officer for Ready Robotics. Kel, great to have you on as well. How are you doing?
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, real pleasure having both of you on. Real quick, Kel, can you give us a 30-second elevator pitch here on what Ready Robotics does and how it intersects with the retail space?
1: Absolutely. So at Ready Robotics, we build software that fundamentally makes it easier to um, deploy robotic automation. Um, A a lot of that automation is in the manufacturing space, but with our new uh, software that is coming out in the next couple months here, we're really excited about people more broadly, using robots in all areas, including retail, which is sort of the front end of a lot of the manufacturing work uh, that we do. So, it's a very natural move for us to start uh, supporting those industries as well. But, really, what we focus on is making robots easier to use, both from a programming standpoint, interfacing with other devices, and then also addressing the problem that robots are all different. They all have different programming languages, they're super hard to use, and we make all of them easy by building our product, ForgeOS, which is basically Android for robots. It's a common operating system that lets all these robots speak the same language. So it allows for companies to much more quickly deploy these robots in a variety of settings, whether that's manufacturing, retail, logistics, any of those industries.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for that quick. Bit of context. All right, let's get to our conversation then. Mario, Kell, I want to start by breaking down the shifts that you both saw over the last year in the retail landscape. So let's intersect COVID and retail. And can you break down how those shifts impacted warehouse management, inventory management, and just general supply chain efficiency? Let's start rather broad and then we'll slowly hone in through the conversation.
2: Sure. I mean, I can speak to what Vita has been doing for the past 30 years. Veter has been servicing the retail industry for almost 30 years now and our heavy equipment was was put in place in in companies like Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards uh, to facilitate the material handling of large rolled material, uh, material that was sold in bulk to make it easier for the staff to serve their customers. Um, we've we've got some fantastic customers in the retail industry, and we've been uh, great partners for these, uh, you know, like a quarter of a century here, and um, we've seen some, some dramatic shifts recently. I mean, it's been almost seismic. Uh, the retail industry had some huge shifts way back in the late 80s when they transitioned to... What we would call automation back then barcoding and and moving into more digitized world serving their customers now they're doing the same thing but on the robotics side and then the automation side Um, and it's it's happening very quickly covid exacerbated that but the reality is that was happening well before covid now it's just being uh, exacerbated by uh, tenfold and Veter is providing solutions physical hardware solutions that service their their needs uh, in their warehouse systems and also on the front end at the retail stores
1: yeah, I think I think Mario really hit it on the head. I think that this is a trend that's been going on for a while—the um, need for adopting automation in all of these spaces. Um, uh, you know, especially in the retail side, where um, it's a predominantly uh, people-driven um, uh, process, the supply chain process. And I think that's something that COVID really sort of uh, nailed down for us is that the the brittleness of a completely people-driven supply chain is hard because when people get sick, we can't move things around and we can't restock and 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 things uh, deteriorate very quickly. And so I think that there has been a trend. I mean, manufacturing has been sort of the bulwark for uh, for automation, but I think a lot of it, and, and, and logistics as well, but I think the COVID is pushing um, the need for automation more into um, into the actual front end retail business because uh, it, it just solves that problem of having a very high dependency on uh, on human labor in those environments. So I think that the, he's right in that this is nothing new, but it was really sort of put in our face that this is a problem that we have to solve, and and now we're here left with what are the tools that we actually can deploy so that uh, people can install these systems as fast as possible and, and meet the demand.
2: Yeah, I agree. If I can just add one more comment there, along the lines of uh, relying on people, the reality is that um, I think the industry has realized that the value of that individual working in the store is not in stocking the shelf or moving products through the store. The value is in, in what they do to serve the customer. And so retail, of course, is very customer focused, always has been, but they... They've underutilized that asset that that employee working in the store uh, has much more value in, in doing higher level functions. So they're, they're moving some of these basic functions and um, needs to, to move product around to technology and, and automation.
1: Yeah, that's so true, and it, we see that in other areas where we have automation, where automation really um, focuses the value of people in a, in a very real way, because they aren't doing some laborious task uh, that is better suited for automation. Instead, they're doing what they're highly skilled at. In the manufacturing space, it might be they're highly skilled at getting a machine to produce the best part it possibly can. In the retail space, it's they're highly skilled at working with people and solving um, Whatever question the person has and delivering the best product that they need. So, it really, f- automation really frees people up to do what they're really meant to and there to be doing uh, rather than moving stuff around or putting parts in machines, right? Whichever the domain may be.
0: Mario, I want to take a second to highlight your background because I think it offers some unique perspectives on technology transformation in retail. So, before you joined the Veter team, you were regional vice president for an IT firm that served the retail industry and then during that time you got to witness and be part of uh, several of the first sort of digital transformation waves that we saw in retail so you saw the move from non-barcoded products to fully electronic transactions enterprise databases etc so i'm curious during that wave how did it impact the retail supply chain and inventory management operations and how did those changes in your opinion impact already existing technologies that were on the warehouse and uh, you know back end?
2: Well it's interesting back then when I was in the industry and we were in the, in the data collection space uh, we were working with uh, our own customers were large retailers again and we were working with these customers to develop software and uh, physical practices to collect information at the at, at the store level and we, we saw these companies transition and they you know uh, the original moves were slow they were very careful and then once the technology started to take hold it was rapid fire and then everybody was adopting it and all the retailers realized they had to move very quickly or they were going to be obsolete very quickly so uh back then it was hard for me to to see how dramatic those changes were because i was embedded in the process uh this is what's giving me the insight to what's happening today I, i i don't think the consumers understand what's happening Um, You know, to the same degree that myself or someone like Cal would be able to understand, you know, from about 30,000 foot, right? We're watching this process and we're we're saying to ourselves, wow, we've seen this picture before. Uh, And these retailers are investing hundreds of millions of dollars in new processes and new systems that really, in about two, three years, the customer will realize, wow, the landscape has changed. How I interact with the store has changed. How I get my goods has changed. Um, the information I'm able to, to derive from my transactions has changed. There's so many changes, and you know, right now we're just at the forefront of that. But the funny thing is, what took maybe about ten years back in the uh, '80s and early '90s, uh, you know, Cal, uh, maybe you can speak to this, but I see it happening in, in about five years here for this for this to happen.
1: Yeah, I I, I completely agree, and I I think that. The key thing that you really mentioned was sort of the acceleration and why it's being driven by, you know, how this industry is morphing, right? I mean, retail is turning into, you know, which was predominantly I go into the store and I buy something and I walk out and now it's, uh, you know, a huge amount of retail is pickup. Right, and it that sort of turns the you know every uh, you know Whole Foods or uh, other store into this logistics operation as well as a a brick and mortar. I can walk around and pull pull things off the shelves, and I, I think that's really been a challenging uh, a challenge for a lot of these companies. And therefore, they're looking at automation and going, "Wow, this is something that this is a new problem for me. What are the tools out there that I didn't really?" know about that I can leverage now in a much more real way to solve this problem. And and I think you're right. I think that the the same thing happened, um, you know, in the larger computer and software space um, where you saw people sort of understood all of a sudden, and this is, you know, why computers became a huge thing, is people saw in the 80s, well, wow, computers can solve problems, software can solve problems, and now they started becoming hungry for that. And you saw a huge explosion in the utility and utilization of computers. I think in robotics, we're at that same moment where people know generally have an idea of what a robot can do, but now they go, man, I have problems that robots, that I know a robot can solve. And I'm, and I'm hungry for that now, or that automation can solve.
2: Agreed. Agreed. It's, it's, it's about automation and robotics solving problems in different ways. Exactly. And that's, that's the whole point. We're going to start to see Machinery that we've never seen before in different applications, whether that's at the storefront or in these warehouses. You know, to to the case point, our our vertical lift module or vertical lift machine that we're producing at Veder. Um, you know, originally it would have been seen as a machine that you would you know put into an industrial setting, a manufacturing setting, that sort of thing. Uh, now it's being viewed as as a way to distribute product, in a way to, to 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 have customers be able to pick up their own goods without having to interface with any other people. They can do it on a, you know, a curbside, they could do it within a store, they can do it in, you know in a transit station. They're being set up all over the place. Uh, the robotic piece, you know, we're seeing robots pick product now for customers, and again that that frees up the the people. To build relationships with the customers and to focus on the, those other value propositions that um, have nothing to do with taking, a, you know, a jar of jam off
0: the shelf. If we intersect COVID more specifically into the conversation today, uh, you know, obviously COVID had a major impact on retail. It's pretty hard to understate that. It made curbside pickup, e-commerce infrastructure, omni-channel sales, omni-channel marketing all of that ever more critical. And, you know, whereas before it was, yes, maybe an extension of operations uh, for many retailers, it became, you know, their only funnel of sales and, uh, you know, areas to market. So same can be said for the back end. How critical do you imagine BOPUS is going to be in the future of retail? And would you say that Retailers that don 't cater to it are going to lose ground, do we even see any retailers out there with a major footprint that haven 't taken advantage of bopus yet that are failing? I mean, give us that lay of the land
2: well i haven 't seen retailers fail yet, but we definitely you know Vitor, we are already partnered with some key customers that are in this space in a big way, and we have some some prototype machinery and some projects that are rolling with uh, with large retailers like you know Home Depot and um, Walmart, for example, these you know these companies are typically um, cutting edge in the first place. Maybe uh, this the the average re, you know customer doesn't understand that, but you know these retailers are always working very very hard to to execute uh, at top levels so that they serve their customers efficiently and cost effectively and quickly. But BOPUS is where everything is moving to. And um, the customers actually, again, the, the irony is COVID has exacerbated everything and customers are now even more demanding. They want things even faster, even more convenient. So these retailers have to move this way. But there, there are a lot of projects at play from the warehousing and logistics side, the transportation side, and uh, the, the micro-fulfillment, sort of that end point where the customer picks up their product that last mile piece that's happening um, that there's not a lot of visibility right now but customers are going to see it uh, and that has to do with machinery like you know like our pan carousel at Viter or the VLM. Uh, those are two big solutions that are being applied today and in some cases it's it's what we call self-serve where a customer walks up to a machine and extracts their goods on their own and in other cases there's a bit of service there where maybe the machine is behind um, uh, some kind of you know uh, customer service desk or some kind of pickup point and then they're still provided some some level of service from the store or interaction with that employee. But it's it, these are the dramatic changes that are happening very quickly.
0: So a lot of the technology that had to adapt or get integrated to these warehouses to meet the rising need for micro-fulfillment, BOPIS, and last-mile delivery, uh, some of them were new, some of them were not. Uh, some of them had to sort of radically shift their operations. Some of them had to be invented from scratch, from the ground up, to really meet the level of need and demand that we saw in the, uh, you know, in the retail industry at large. So I'm curious how that made its way to warehouse management technologies. So could you both share a little bit about how you've seen um, inventory and warehouse management technologies adapt? since COVID to meet some of these rising needs for micro-fulfillment, last-mile delivery, uh, curbside pickup, etc.
2: From the physical standpoint, the equipment that Veeder produces today, um, especially with the VLM, that's our most current product, you know, this machinery has been in place in manufacturing and logistics and warehousing for, uh, for quite a while, VLM more currently. Um, so we've seen those applications, you know, before. We've seen them in manufacturing as well. Um, now what's happening is that physical tool is being transitioned to execute on different functions and to have different applications. And that's where the software piece comes in. And, uh, you know, Vitor, uh has the ability and the capacity to build software to meet customer needs in-house. But we, we also knew that this... Um, technology is moving so fast that we had to find some, some excellent partners and uh, Ready Robotics and Viter have, uh, have joined forces to provide the ability to quickly meet customers' needs as they take that physical material handling uh, tool, for example, or that robot and combine them so they can better execute on what their customer needs are.
1: Yeah, I think that what's really exciting about this part- partnership is the fact that Again, we're able to take something that has been working in, uh, you know, in the manufacturing and logistics space and very rapidly move it into the retail space because it's very easy to, now, to retool um, for that that environment. Um, uh, From the standpoint of software, I think you hit it right on the head. part of what we do at Ready is build software that makes it easier to connect robots to different equipment um, like uh, a Veter VLM. And so what you then see is is instead of these systems being used in a manufacturing you know, environment, um, a retail environment might have different requirements. The system might have to perform differently. Um, the, the robot might have to interact with uh, the VLM differently in that space. And therefore, um, uh, these things are driven by software. That's what lets the robot do the thing, right? It lets, lets it put the boxes into the Vitor and, and actually uh, deliver product to the customer. Somebody has to write those software solutions and uh, making that process dramatically faster, just accelerates getting those technologies into the market. Um, so we've seen that as a larger trend as well, is just automation being used in new spaces once it's more accessible, once it's easier to program uh, you know, the, a system that has a VLM and a robot all of a sudden now you're freed up to see all of the different places that that system could work and the different environments it could work in. Um, It's sort of the, the, the saying, once you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, once you, see this as a solution that is flexible uh, rather than as something that's just belongs in manufacturing or just belongs in logistics all of a sudden now you want to put it everywhere and that's what's really exciting is, is you can when you when you see it and it and you see that it can go in these new environments and it's very easy to uh, change the software so that it'll operate effectively in those environments you want to put it there
2: those are great points kel and in fact The irony is that um, the customer demands now are so high that uh, these, you know, whether it's retailers or or manufacturers, when they're trying to serve their customers, once a piece of equipment like a VLM is put in place or a robot, and the the customer may have had a use case in place, they understood that they were going to be able to execute on A, B, or C. um, You know, when they put the equipment in place, they realize, wow, you know what, actually, it would be great if the equipment did this now, if we could make it do that. And so you need to pivot very quickly and be able to change that software platform fast. Like nothing is in transit anymore. You have to be able to move very quickly because we've got customers that just recently purchased the VLMs. They pro- they thought they knew exactly what the VLM was going to do. And they're so excited about its application that they realize, wow, you know, they asked Vitor, could it do this? Could it do that? Could we change our software so that, you know, it manages this information? And we're saying, you know, we're saying to them, sure, it can. And these are the kinds of changes that we need to make very quickly, and that's where software comes in and and gives us that ability.
1: Yeah. I think that it's, it's a really powerful indicator when you have a technology like uh, Veeder is creating and like Ready is creating where um, once it sits there and opens up a new world of applications for you, that, that means that you know that that technology is something that is scalable and that can solve a lot of different problems because people get inspired by it uh, and, and empowered to create new solutions and, and think about things that we have never thought of and and and, and now, with our sort of combined power of easy to use software and really incredible devices, um, they can implement that solution in some cases themselves. Uh, So that's something that really empowers them to go wild with the technology and uh, make it their own and, and come up with these new use cases.
0: You mentioned a lot of intersections with the manufacturing space and broader industrial machinery. Can you connect the dots there for us? Because I know a lot of these technologies, like I said, aren't necessarily new ones. They were introduced at scale for a retail sector under tremendous stress, but had been seen uh, you know, as useful technologies and ones that were were and already are scaled in various manufacturing and industrial settings. So can you break that down for us a little bit more and get into the specifics on how this technology is also being put to use in those sectors and where some of the intersections are with how you see them being used in retail as well?
2: Well, from Vitor's point of view, we've always been in that space. And uh, I mean, I've seen it as or understood it more having to do with the movement of heavy materials. So we were always talking about moving a large rolled material, large sheet material, heavy steel material. And so the idea of automation always had to do with removing that heavy movement away from the employee, making it happen inside of a machine like a VLS, for example, a vertical lift system that we sell that's for sheet metal, very large heavy pieces of sheet metal that are stored in our machine. And then uh, a robot arm would be able to come in and, and move that off of our machine onto a laser cutter, for example. So that's been in place for quite a while. I think what's happening now is, again, the pressure from whether it's retail or even the, in the industrial sectors where um, it's it's harder to find labor or it's more um, – difficult to be able to train on labor. Now I think we're getting into smaller parts, smaller pieces, and that also means that it moves faster. So I'll let Kel speak to the software side of things on this and the robots, but as far as our equipment is concerned, the applications now are moving from heavy duty applications to lighter duty applications, and these applications move much more quickly through whatever the ecosystem is, whether it's manufacturing or retail. And that's where it's essentially taking the same fundamental tool, but you know, using it in a different way, and, and our customers are finding all kinds of efficiencies that way.
1: Yeah, I think the you you mentioned something really important, which is the the. The usage of these technologies, it doesn't just have to be for big things anymore. And I, and when when we think about the manufacturing space, we're not just talking about like big as in physically size, but also at large scale, right? Uh, traditionally, automation and robotics was used at very large scale, right? You had to have a big enough project for it really to be worth it, right? Because it was difficult; it was hard to put all these systems together. It took a lot of time to plan. It was Very costly, Uh, and so that's why you only saw you know serious automation in places like car factories where you know they have that scale. Now, um, with all of the different trends that are driving down, um, you know, driving manufacturing to high mix, low volume, and also therefore driving all of those smaller and higher mix of products into the retail space. People want to use automation for small projects. But the only way that we can effectively do that is by making it easier to use. And and I think Mario brought up a great point about um, people, right? Really, this fundamentally comes down to can the people on the floor, whether it's on the retail floor or in the factory, use this technology, right? Or am I bringing some third party in to do it and incurring that additional cost, right? The technology that we're building at Ready is really about enabling that ease of use so that anybody on a factory floor or retail floor or a logistics warehouse can use the technology, use the robot, program the system in many cases, uh, make it interface with uh, heavier machinery like the VLS. once you have the ability of everybody on the factory floor or the retail floor being able to use these devices, it's much easier to use them at this smaller scale that he's talking about. Um, because things change over more rapidly, right? I have a larger mix of products. I have more diversity, which means that things need to change. Like my program for how this robot moves a part or a box from A to B in my facility might need to change, even on a daily basis. And if that change doesn't take a couple of minutes, then it just doesn't work, right? And so we've had to have technology that makes these devices easier to use to enable this type of faster changeover to deal with the the larger diversity of product.
0: Now, when COVID hit, the manufacturing sector was also hit hard. And in a lot of ways, uh, the supply chain took a a major hit uh, and meeting those critical supplier needs and keeping um, a lot of these industrial sectors active became a major challenge. How did some of the technology have to respond to meet those supply chain issues? And when you compare it to the retail space, were the adaptations the same? Were they a little different? And kind of what does that say about the solutions that both Ready Robotics and Vitor are putting together?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can give an example of uh, a really sort of concrete use case where we saw companies directly being influenced by COVID. Um, we worked with a small manufacturer called Alicat that uh, was producing ventilator components, right? And all of a sudden their business, you know, 10X'd uh, overnight and they were unable to k- stay up, keep up with demand. Um, they were able to uh, install a robotic system running our software, ForgeOS, and have that up and running all by themselves because of, again, back to the ease of use point, right, all by themselves in a matter of days and then be running a lights out application where they could, you know, turn off the factory lights and go home and the robot would still be running in less than 10 days. They got a return on investment of that system in 30 days, which means that when a company, when a situation like COVID comes up that requires any kind of a business entity, whether it's a manufacturer or a retailer, to completely change their business model or how they deliver product or how much product they have to deliver in overnight, literally overnight, um, they can actually adapt to that, uh, to that change. And I think that bringing that sort of uh, agility from the manufacturing space into the retail space where Retail wasn't able to do that. Retail wasn't able to, in you know, overnight change their entire practice of how they delivered product to customers, right? Uh, hopefully, now it would be a lot faster, and five years from now, it would be something that they could change overnight if if the uh, if the um, situation demanded it, right? So I think building solutions that enable that agility, um, so that people can change and when the sort of global situation changes is is really important.
2: Yeah, Kel, I agree. I think right now, actually the irony with COVID is that it's exposing a lot of companies. Um, now that we are starting to pull out of this situation, uh, companies that spent the last 12 months investing in, in equipment, in software, in new solutions, in adapting how they execute on all their functions. So that's manufacturing as well as in retail. Uh, are now successfully, you know, turning the corner and are, are, are able to serve their customers. You know, we're seeing it in the supply chain um, uh, with respect to parts. You know, whether it's electronics components or uh, you know raw materials. You know, some companies are very successful. They they actually invested last year and spent the time investing on equipment like you know, our VLS or the VLM or other manufacturing uh, pieces of of equipment. And so now they can execute and they can deliver on customer needs. But the business is starting to ramp up, and um, uh, the same thing happened with retail. We, well, last year, we worked with some key retailers that started to invest very heavily, very quickly, knowing that uh, there was al- already a lot of demand last year for new services and, and you know new ways of delivering goods. But it was only going to get um, you know busier for them once COVID started to uh, to become less of an issue. And so at the start of this year, we started you know we've started to see that with our customers. And a lot of new customers that are scrambling to try to figure things out. And essentially what it comes down to is automation is the key to ensure that you can deliver to your customer and stay ahead of the demand. And uh, software, the flexibility you have with software is so, so important to make sure that you can keep adapting those tools that you're investing in so that your CapEx uh, you know, pays for itself very quickly and in the long run.
1: I think that's a really important message because uh, this is something that is not going to change, right? This is not, oh, we did this for 12 months and we're just going to go back to how it was before. There is no going back, um, right? We're dealing with a fundamentally different landscape with a fundamentally different consumer, even as soon as I'll be able to walk out around, outside, without a mask, in public, right? It'll still be different. And so, companies really need to focus on um, deploying automation to solve these problems because people's attitudes are not going to change back. Uh, They're going to stay the same they are. People are still going to, in an accelerating way, uh, buy online and pick up in the store, right? Uh, You're going to see that continued trend. Um, And so, again, really, Really investing in automation solutions that can um, make your uh, company more adaptable to that new reality, um, and then also uh, robust to whatever is down the pike next. Right, um, that is super important to to make that uh, investment now.
2: Exactly. You know, and, to, and that's a great point, Kelly. And to paint a picture, it, w- it would be like asking consumers today to shop somewhere where they don't scan you know a barcode when they are checking you out it's not going to happen things are not going back to those days the the changes that are happening now you know we really don't we don't see it as clearly but in six months 12 months customers are going to expect things to be that much better or or they're going to expect them to stay the same because they were changed and made better they're not going to go back to the old ways
1: yeah one other thing to add on that is I also think that just from a larger consumer perspective, the the way people are buying things is obviously changing because that's been a big part of what we're talking about, but also the type of products that they want to buy. And so I think customization is also a huge thing, which means, you know, on the manufacturing side, you have to have automation to deal with mass customization. It just doesn't work. Otherwise, uh, there's too much of a high mix on the retail side. It's going to be the same thing because now you, you, you're not even able to stock a single skew, right? Every skew is different because every person wants something differently. That's something that we've seen in mobile devices. It's something that we're starting to see in other, and you know, we've seen it in footwear. Uh, People want unique products, and that uniqueness puts a massive strain on this existing supply chain that has been designed around everything being, you know, relatively the same, you know, within a certain number of SKUs, that's also going to have a massive effect as well. And I think it speaks to the the versatile solutions that uh, Vitor is building um, in terms of delivering that sort of heterogeneous product mix to customers, and then also to the automation underlying that, which is going to deliver all those completely different items to that endpoint.
0: Thanks so much for all that manufacturing context. I think that really helps Uh, Just communicate how flexible this technology is and also the scale to which every supply chain took a hit during COVID and why uh, inventory management solutions, both big and small, can really have a, uh, a major impact on that operational efficiency. So let's go ahead and take that. Now we're going to pivot back over to retail and uh, try to wrap up our conversation by speaking a little bit more to Veter and Ready Robotics partnerships and a few other things. So in response to this shift in the industry over the last year, obviously Viter moved from a company that makes storage equipment to equipment that can be integrated into complex systems such as BOPUS or highly technical manufacturing environments like we broke down. So Mario and uh, Kel, you know, from your perspective as a partner, can you give some thoughts on how Veder's solutions uh, can continue to be integrated into complex systems and how you see that increasing efficiency? And then also give us some thoughts on the specific technology or design changes that uh, you've implemented so far, but then also you continue to foresee being implemented to get your machinery um, you know, prepared and proactive for any future changes?
2: Well, from Veeder's point of view, the, the future is all about the VLM. The vertical lift module or vertical lift machine is the future. It's one of the most technically advanced pieces of equipment we've ever produced at um, Our Our unit is cutting edge and it definitely is ready for the new marketplace because it's adaptable. So our engineering team has that flexibility to customize the physical machine, and on the software side of things, what what that machine does and how it interfaces with your you know the systems that are out there, whether it's retail or manufacturing. But on the retail side, there will be a lot of variations, and uh, our machines. And you know, we've got applications where some VLMs are you know uh, ten feet tall and thirty you know sorry ten feet wide and, and thirty feet tall. In uh, other applications, the machines might be 12 feet wide and and 6 feet tall. You know, it depends on what what they're looking to do. Is it a locker system where it's a, a pick up? You know, customer picks up the product on their own. Is it a system where it's more for store? You know, lots of storage in a large retail environment with all those SKUs that Kel talked about earlier. So. The automation piece is important the flexi- the flexibility is important the ability for Vita to be able to produce equipment that is very flexible and adaptable to each use case and that's what we can offer our customers. Uh, I'll throw it to Cal to talk about what he can do on the software side
1: sure so um, so our product that I mentioned for you know the the value that we really bring to the table from this standpoint is software that lets you very quickly customize the behavior of the automation system for the required use case. Right? Um, if it's somebody is walking up to this system versus somebody is uh, you know walking up to a desk where the system is behind the desk, those two different use cases require a different software solution and require that the uh, automation behind the scenes might be configured differently and so forge os and specifically our new version that's coming out on uh may 11th uh, forge 5 the goal is is it's very fast to program those behaviors of how that underlying automation works um so that it meets that that specific use case's needs. Um, the other thing that is really important is there's a lot of different devices that go into these systems. Um, not only the VLS, but there may be sensors, there may be an actual articulated robot that's delivering packages, right? Um, there may be uh, 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 UGVs, uh, ground vehicles that are delivering um, packages. There may be other vehicles that are picking, right? Um, So all of these different components need to work together. And what Forge does is it provides an interface so that it's very easy to program any of these different devices, whether it's a sensor or a robot all of the sort of nuts and bolts that have to go together to make this system work, um, each of those is very easy to program in Forge and to um, make it so that they all work together in a really graceful way. And then once all of that is together, it's very easy to change, right? If the uh, the uh, situation that a device in is in adapts and the retailer decides, hey, I, I need to use this in a different way, then you're not months away from a different behavior. You're hours or minutes away from a different behavior, depending on how you set it up. Um, so it just makes uh, these systems much more flexible and, um, and adaptable.
0: I'm also curious how this technology is being used not only in inventory management to support the front end side of the retail operation, but also how it's being used on the larger logistics side and sort of fulfillment side of the operation. So with the COVID hit came uh, sort of a, a further focus on the growth of huge fulfillment centers, uh, and understanding that to meet these omni-channel sales and to meet this omni-channel demand, we're going to need some kind of inventory management that is uh, a wider scale than just a warehouse in the back of the store, right? Separate locations, Amazon-style fulfillment centers that can meet this demand. So how are your technologies being put to work in those environments? What's different? What's the same? And where do you see the growth of that side of the retail sector shaping technologies like Ready Robotics and Veters?
1: The way that we see it is, um, you know, robots are used extensively right now, and that has increased um, in the logistics space. Uh, you know, Amazon is a perfect example of their wide use of robots in their, um, uh, you know, in their warehouse environments. I think that what we're excited about is, um, again making those systems more flexible because they've been these very large installations right back to the sort of car factory example right uh, you know it really took like a whole warehouse system in order to put these things together um, but I think that we're going to see a trickle-down effect where as even smaller and more local warehouses need to handle this diversity of product that they're going to want to operate very similarly to how Amazon operates even though they're a much smaller, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, installation, right? So I think that you're going to see a lot more uh, of the type of robots that you see in those logistics spaces. Um, where they are moving pallets of material around or whether they are uh, picking things off the shelf. That's been something that has dramatically increased. For a while, it was really just moving pallets around. Now we have robots that are literally picking individual items uh, off the shelves in those large environments um, and putting them into bins that then go through the, uh, the, the process of being shipped out, right? Um, I think that you're going to see a lot more of that, and I think that uh, people are going to realize that you don't have to have a massive, you know, 20-acre logistics space to have those solutions, and instead, it can be, you know, you could have that robotic picking and that robotic delivery of product uh, in a much smaller environment. And and again, it's from Reddy's perspective, you have to have accessible software in order to make that transition, in order to transition from something that works at scale to something that works at a much smaller um, and and more diverse scale.
2: Yeah, I completely agree, Cal. I mean, what I'm seeing from from Vitor's point of view, what we're starting to see is uh, a standardization in systems. So as opposed to it being, like you said, in a giant warehouse or logistics facility, we're seeing all these little micro fulfillment spaces, and we're seeing all these smaller facilities pop up to execute on delivering goods to customers. And the standardizations are, you know, the sizes of the totes that are being used, the kinds of the to- the kinds of totes that are being used, right? The flow through systems. Um, so the whole ecosystem is becoming more homogeneous. I think everyone has tried different things, and they're all starting to fall back on the most uh, effective systems. So physically, you're going to see standardization in. You know the average tote size the average package size that's delivered out to customers and how it's moved through you know from the factory where the item is made all the way across to where you know the end point where the customer gets the item delivered or gets it picked up so what we're seeing is you know with our equipment we are now standardizing for that type of thing so that our vlm for example or our pan carousel these warehouses are putting in place machines and robots that work together to be able to, to pick the item off the shelf and move it into a tote or a bin and then, you know, put that into a truck and have it go down the road to the customer's home. So I'm seeing a lot of that. And essentially, again, I'm seeing that automation is the key. You know, they're, they're removing people from these basic functions to higher level functions. They're, they're moving them to whole other categories of work because the picking and the, the moving of product is something that a piece of equipment can easily do now.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a really good point because um especially as the as these situations sort of standardize a little bit more, it's easier to put automation in place, right? Because you do, you know, automation doesn't like things that are diverse. Automation likes things that are the same because it's just faster and easier. Um but I also think that the the types of solutions that we're going to see are also ones that while the um you know, the the movement and handling of the product may be Uh, more and more standardized, the product is never going to be standardized, right? I'm still going to have to pick from a box of teddy bears and a box of, you know, uh, oatmeal packets, right? And two completely different form factor of products that now somebody wants in the same box, in the same delivery. And uh, I think the value of robotic automation to be able to handle that diversity of product um, of both from a picking standpoint, from a vision standpoint, is gonna be really powerful because that's why traditionally those areas were a holdover for people. Even though it's a, it's a super mind numbing task to be picking all day long, people are good at using their eyes and using their hands to pick product. Um, now that robotic technology has improved to the point where that's something that we can automate, I completely agree. I think that you're gonna see a lot more robotic solutions in those types of environments.
0: And then finally this is just a peer into the crystal ball a little bit but what do you think the future of automation technology and broader inventory management technology looks like outside of this space do you see any other factors influencing how your solutions will continue to grow uh, or to meet some of the rising needs of last mile delivery and micro fulfillment in retail Uh, and if so, what do those third party factors look like to you and why?
2: I'm going to, you know, take off from one of Kel's comments here, which is, you know, I think very true as well. It's not like everything is moving to giant facilities and huge warehouses. I think that's the impression the customer has is that somewhere there's this humongous factory or humongous warehouse that's, um, moving products around, I think it's actually, these things are going to get smaller and smaller and smaller and they're going to move into communities, so you're going to start to see these fulfillment centers, these distribution centers actually start to populate, you know, maybe they'll, they'll re, they're going to repopulate those malls that are, that are dying out, right? These spaces are going to get filled with the equipment, the machinery, the robots and the software that deliver the goods to customers in just a different way, so I, I think small is where things are going and faster is where things are going if we're talking about the future.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that things are going to continue to um, get small. And I think that because of that, we're going to see automation at every touch point in that um, that sort of flow all the way from raw material before it's manufactured into product. All the way until somebody, you know, opens the door to the uh, VLS and pulls their their box out with their stuff in it, right? I think that right now we only see automation in a couple points in that uh, entire journey of that product, and I, I I see very rapidly we're moving to a future where there will still be people involved, but there will be automation 100% involved at every step of making that product, the logistics of getting it into position for last mile, and then last mile and uh, into the customer's hands.
0: And I think on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap up our conversation. And you know, based on both of your predictions, I feel like we're going to need to do some follow-up conversations, especially as that technology does get smaller and faster. How that impacts the supply chain, and also how uh, the you know various pressures coming from the retail industry shape these technology solutions. But till then. We'll go ahead and call it for this conversation. Thank you to both of our guests for your insights today, breaking down how you've seen the uh, broader worlds of micro-fulfillment, BOPUS, and last-mile delivery intersect with retail as well as manufacturing, and how various technologies like VETERS and Ready Robotics are elevating those uh solutions and elevating uh you know some ideas for how to maneuver those needs so thank you again to mario fontes director of sales and marketing for veder solutions and kel garin co-founder and chief innovation officer for ready robotics it's really been a pleasure chatting with both of you today and uh kel since you're a guest of the program here how can folks find out a little bit more about ready robotics and some of your technologies as well as industries that you serve Absolutely.
1: So, you can start by going to ready-robotics.com, which is our website, um, to learn more about Forge OS, our uh, operating system for robots, as well as Task Canvas, our easy-to-use software for programming robots. And then I also invite everyone to uh, go to that website and sign up for our Forge 5.0 launch event, which is on May 11th, which is going to be a really incredible look into uh, the technology that's out there for making robots easier to use and how we're pushing that, uh, pushing that envelope forward.
0: And Mario, if folks want to find out more about how Veter is serving the retail industry, anywhere we should send them.
2: Absolutely. Always defaultedstorevertical.com, our website, and you can find everything you need to know about uh, BOPUS or uh, you know, anything regarding the VLM on our website. Thank you.
0: Fantastic. Mario, Kel, pleasure getting to chat with both of you again. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to speaking again in the future. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, thank you so much. This was great. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Vertical with Veter, a Veter podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're heading to our website, storevertical.com. Again, storevertical.com. And subscribe to Vertical with Veter on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.